there is nothing inherently wrong with you. Period. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we have an extraordinary guest to share with you today. His name is Dr. Fred Moss, and he's a graduate of Northwestern University Medical School, a licensed psychiatrist known the world over who has served the mental health industry for nearly four decades. During that time, he has consulted patients, practitioners, medical facilities, nonprofits, and community groups. Now, as I said, he's known everywhere, but what he's known for is really interesting. And I didn't want to give it away in his story, but he's going to share an incredible journey and what he's doing now to help people everywhere. Dr. Fred, welcome to The Daily Helping. It is great to have you here. Thank you so much, Dr. Richard. It really did. It really is a true honor, privilege, and pleasure to be a guest on your on your podcast. So thanks for having me. Well, I thank you for that. And so I intentionally left out quite a lot from your backstory and your bio because I want people to hear it. I want people to know how you're not just another psychiatrist. So take us through kind of from your days at Northwestern to what's transpired and how you're really doing some radical things that are helping people today. Okay, well, great. I, you know, I, I don't always see it as radical, but I think that it is when compared to the rest of the industry. So I'll walk you through it and it actually starts slightly before uh, Northwestern University. It, you know, we both, uh, we both know Michigan and I grew up in Michigan and, and um, went to the University of Michigan for a bit after I graduated in, uh, I guess that was uh, mid-70s. And I went there and dropped out because I didn't like it and went back and dropped out because I didn't like it. And I came home. I'm like, Mom, I'm not going to do college. And uh, she's like, OK, Fred, well, you have to get a job then. So, um, you know, she got me uh, an application for a civil service job in the state of Michigan. And before too long, I was working as a child care worker in Pontiac, Michigan at Fairlawn Center. And this child care worker job was pretty cool. It was a pretty cool gig. I thought I'd only stay a few weeks, but I ended up staying a few more weeks, a few more weeks, a few more weeks. And it really just seems like yesterday, Dr. Richard, I swear. It's like, you know, I just, this just happened is what it feels like. And, um, and you know, I, uh, it got down the afternoon shift and it was like a place to just kind of chill in between whatever I had done up until that point and whether I would someday do with my career. And, you know, I went back to school, started doing some, you know, a little bit. I went back to school. Well, actually, that isn't how it went. What ended up happening is I was looking at the system and decided that I didn't like the way the doctors were treating the kids. So, you know, we would call the doctors. We'd say the kids were agitated or something like that. Doctors would come do a very, very brief cursory interview and then medicate the kids and then walk off the unit. 
And I just felt like that was just so impersonal. And not only that, it would leave the kids like in a haze for 24 hours. And it just seemed like it was something brutal, brutal about it. And I really passionately wanted to make a difference in that area. So somewhere in the craziness of it all, I decided that the way to make a difference in that area is actually to become a doctor who cared. And it was like, well, there's going to be a hurdle between now and then, since I have to go back to school now for like the next uh, 13 years. And somehow that is how I walked through it. So I stayed in mental health from 1980 until now. And I was like, including those childcare days. And I stayed in childcare as a childcare worker, even as I went to Northwestern Medical School in Chicago. My, my moonlighting job was in childcare worker. And, and, you know, I graduated from Northwestern University and then went in on into a psychiatric residency all the while maintaining a childcare worker job. And uh, then, you know, went to Cincinnati and got my child and adolescent fellowship um, after my residency. And it just continued. So in some ways, Dr. Richard, I'm just really a, a glorified childcare worker who picked up an MD on the way. And having picked up the MD and then done psychiatry, I had a really, really beautiful practice in, in Cincinnati and I raised my own family there. Some things started to occur to me, which was, you know, in 1987, when I was in uh, Northwestern University, was when it's about the time that biological psychiatry got its startup. It's about the time that our a drug that we now all know the name of, uh, a drug called Prozac, was introduced into the uh, psychiatric market. And so psychiatry went from being what at least was apparently a listening field to a field of um, diagnosing and medicating. And so I became a you know aficionado in the world of psychopharmacology. It's sort of what we had to do. And you you know, so not far after Prozac, there were other antidepressants, and then there was mood stabilizers, and then there was antipsychotics, and second generation antipsychotics, and atypical antipsychotics, and then there was, you know, atypical antidepressants, and then there was off labels, and all the way through, you know, diagnoses started to spread up. There was new new diagnoses made on top of old diagnoses, and you know, the DSM started to be a diagnostic manual so that we could choose what to do with the people who met the criteria for being whatever the condition was of the day. And the pharmacological industry, along with the medical industrial industry, created these relationships between diagnosis and treatment, diagnoses and treatment, diagnoses and treatment. And as luck would have it, at some point, I just decided that this couldn't be as good as it gets. You know, people were still very sick and then were taking medications and they would come into my office and objectively would look like they were unwell, but they would say, well, I'm, I'm better than I was last time, doctor. And I would just think, that's just something wrong about it. There's just something that's not optimal. I, you know, I have such great love and faith for humanity and such great um, respect for this body or this soul or this machine that we've been gifted to be with here. I just thought that that couldn't be as good as it gets. So I started, you know, at that time, I started experimenting with my, some of my patients to, to take them off of their medication. Maybe they had been on it long enough. You know, it wasn't like it was flying against the grain very much. I mean, they'd been on it long enough to give them a trial off of medicine. 
And most doctors weren't doing that, you know? And so when I started doing that, people actually got better. And sometimes they got profoundly better. Sometimes their actual diagnosis would disappear. So this was like a new finding for me, you know, and I kept doing it and I started doing it with more and more patients. And now before too long, and really to, to take a big leap into who I've now become is I'm now Dr. Fred, a non-diagnosing, non-medicating psychiatrist. Now, the truth is, I still do diagnose and I still do medicate when the job calls for that. I mean, sometimes there are positions where my, the utilization of my medical degree requires me to at least meet the patients where they are or meet the clinical residents where they are. And in those situations, in, in order for reimbursement or in order to keep um, people at least thinking that we're uh, treating what it is they think they have, then medicating and diagnosing still are part of my regimen. But ultimately, what I'm looking to do is to remind people that the medications are actually sometimes perpetuating and sometimes in rarer cases causing the symptoms that they're marketed to treat. But more than anything, Dr. Richard, this idea that there's such thing as a psychiatric diagnosis is an agreement that's made between the patient or the patient's family or the patient's caregivers and the clinicians or the physicians or the nurses or the social workers. And once those conditions are given as if they are sub-optimized afflictions, um, the world is lived from that viewpoint. Now, as one who walks someone off their medications and, in fact, walks them off of their diagnosis, I have the opportunity at this point in my life to give people their life back, like to actually give them their lives back as being whole and perfect in just the way they are. And that includes all the discomforts of life. And Richard, Dr. Richard, I'm not, this isn't really about saying that life isn't uncomfortable. We've already had a discussion this morning. You know, life is really uncomfortable sometimes, really. Like in the world of normal life, being highly uncomfortable is part of what that life is, is composed of. So this isn't a matter of saying you're making it up, it isn't uncomfortable. But it is a matter of saying that discomfort comes as part of life. And as you know, my brand title is Welcome to Humanity, in that discomfort, there's nothing wrong with you as if there's nothing wrong with a log that's burning in a fire. There's like, it's hot out there, or it's scary out there, or it's depressing out there, or it's confusing out there, or I can't figure out what to do with my life, or there's too many things to do, these are all components of life that we're all juggling in various points. Getting someone to see that they are, in fact, living life perfectly from the perspective of who they are and who they're not allows for a new place to launch from so that I have seen some miraculous, miraculous cases of healing just by reminding or reinforcing to people or you know, revitalizing people, which in any area that there's nothing inherently wrong with them. And that mental illness is a conversation, therefore, that is subject to profound transformation. And, you know, it comes with some complications, Dr. Richard, but in, in the end, it's something I really stand for, that each person is living life, you know, this gift of life from the perspective that they are, and even in their discomfort, 
Um, there's not anything necessarily that is inherently wrong with them psychiatrically. And you can deal with people in that way and bring them empowerment where, you know, disempowerment may have been residing for decades. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. Well, I, I love the way that your Welcome to Humanity platform frames that. I, I do want to say, and I, and I think you would agree with this, that there certainly are scenarios where medication is critical. But I think what's happened is that we have via television commercials for you know the, for the newest drugs and whatnot we've gotten really comfortable as a society with the idea that oh, I'm feeling a little down today or I feel a little anxious well I just saw this pill on commercial and could you and what's fascinating too is the psychiatry is the only industry where or the the spectrum of disorders that fall under the auspices of that are the only ones where we treat and diagnose. Can you imagine if somebody went in to see an oncologist and said, I think my son has cancer? And like, yeah, you, know, you know what? Let's try chemo and see what happens. But that's what we do with mental illness. Do we have a kid who is for whatever reason unable to focus in school? And the first thing that the the pediatrician does or the psychiatrist does is write them for a, for a stimulant. And it's, it's astounding. And, and as you said, you know, you kind of laid out, it really, Prozac was really the thing that, that kicked this off. But they got, the, the pharmaceutical industry got very, very savvy in terms of marketing. And so I, I, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that, but, you know, for, for people who are listening to this and they're inundated with these advertisements and magazines, and I've seen pop-ups on social media for for psych, you know, psych drugs. So let's spend a little more time there because I think that that's that's really an important discussion piece. Sure, I think that's a really great point. So this idea of let's treat them, and if they respond, we can give them the diagnosis that was necessary for them to have in order to respond to the treatment we just gave them. It, this uh, horse before the this horse and cart phenomena that you're speaking of is really a phenomenal, it's a phenomena worth paying attention to. So one of the things that I think is understated about that is, you know, the possibility that in, you know, some of these medications, it's not like they're evil in and of themselves, but some of these medications can cause symptoms they're marketed to treat. Now, if you start looking at that, directly down the barrel at that, what you have is that, you know, you come in with some anxiety you take an anti-anxiety medicine, which actually assists for a moment with the anxiety, but then in its own right causes anxiety. And then you have it that that you, you, and then you separate it out as a patient. You're like, well, that anxiety medicine helped me, but my anxiety is worse. And that, that is a very common second visit complaint. Doctor, 
the medicine helped and I'm worse. It's like, that is a phenomenal complaint. The medicine helped and I'm worse is a phenomenal combination of statements. It helped to do what? It helped to make you worse. So we start really looking at if the medicines at times contribute to or at times perpetuate or at times, again, a little rarer, actually directly cause the symptoms that they're marketed to treat, then the phenomenon of treating before you diagnose and then choosing to give the diagnosis to people who respond in one way or another to the medications we give is extraordinary, extraordinary and self-perpetuating. So you might notice in the world today that the medications that we use, that we, you know, uh, that we use for uh, psychiatric conditions hasn't reduced uh, mental illness on a global scale in any really measurable way. And you could even make a case for uh, mental illness just being a backdrop epidemic in its own right, a backdrop pandemic in its own right, like no kidding, uh, that far exceeded the pandemic that we're presently, uh, unfortunately, struggling with. And, you know, I mean, far preceded, preceded is what I meant to say. And we start really looking at what can be done with that pandemic such that the same framework isn't utilized and we actually make a dent to leave people empowered in who they are in ways that they thought were no longer available so that mental health or a sense of mental competence or just a slight increase in the capacity to function optimally in the world can be restored can be restored in the face of what looked like a chronic deteriorating psychological mental illness. And what I'm finding is by really giving people the benefit of the doubt and giving them the time of day by really having people get that there's nothing inherently wrong with them inherently, and then speaking to them at that level, like I'm like you and I are speaking or like, you know, speaking to each and every person as if they're whole and complete. It's amazing, truly amazing, the level of healing that can arise from simply altering that conversation. I'm going to go deeper here, but but I do want to just make a disclaimer that, you know, what we're talking about here is, is not to be constituted as a therapeutic intervention. So we get our legalese out of the way. Uh, but so if somebody's listening to this and maybe they've been struggling with some things like depression or anxiety, uh, you know, when somebody comes in to see you, what are what are some of the exercises you, you do take them through to kind of shift that perspective? Right. So, you know, there are a number of ways to get in the door to see me. And, you know, depending on where I'm working, like I have, uh, you know, I've had a, I've had a thriving um, tele telepsychiatric practice for a little over a decade now. And, you know, I work in a rehab clinic down in uh, the Los Angeles area right now. And I also work in a child residential clinic down in also in Los Angeles area right now. And so that, those people would come in and they'd get whatever kind of treatment is, is sort of called for idiosyncratically based on the unit where they're running into me, based on, you know, where, they, where they're showing up and what they're looking for. Now, in the work that 
I think you're referring to where someone might want to really come to see me and, and, you know, they're basically the coin of phrase from other industry, you know, they're sick and tired of being sick and tired, like really sick and tired of this whole thing, not working as well as they know it could like their life isn't working as well as they really know it could. And they're, they're tired of trying things that either aren't working or aren't working as well as they would hope. So we start really replacing you know, the first thing we really do is get people to see that their experiences are legitimate. Like that's really critical to get that being depressed or being anxious or being nervous or even having trouble sleeping or having trouble with completing tasks or having trouble with, you know, mood alteration or having trouble even hearing the chatter that some of us call chatter and other people call auditory hallucinations. Like, even all of this, we legitimize the experience to really have the person get that what they're experiencing is not wrong, bad, or sick, not pathological, but in fact legitimized. From there, what we really get is communication, connection, creativity, self-expression, and listening at the core of all healing. And I mean all healing, not just mental health healing. But there is no doctor, or clinician, or shaman, or medicine person, you know, you know, healer anywhere who would disagree with the idea that communication, connection, creativity, self-expression, and listening are critical features at the core of all healing. So this is what we're really focusing on. I would be remiss, given the world today, I didn't talk about COVID because I think people's reaction is that they're freaking out about COVID. So they go to their doctor and they say, write me for some Xanax, write me for some this, write me for some that. So what advice would you give people around that who, who want to run to their prescriber and, and get some happy pills to deal with their feelings around COVID? Well, there's a few things here uh, to take into consideration. So these medications, although, you know, it said, you know, there are times, I guess, where they're, where, where they're critically necessary. In, in most cases, these medications are actually designed and maybe, you know, not necessarily intentionally, but create the symptoms they're marketed to treat as part of the problem. So when you start Xanax, if you've not taken Xanax before, there's a tremendous amount of comfort that comes you know, with the reduction of anxiety initially, followed by very shortly thereafter, a worsening anxiety or a worsening panic sense, um, you know, or a worsening, you know, generalized nervousness that can be directly associated with someone who is taking Xanax, not necessarily inconsistent or not necessarily consistent with who you were in before you were taking Xanax. So, so this isn't just with Xanax, by the way. So you might show up with a condition that you think or one thinks is associated with being pathologically off balance, imbalanced psychiatrically, and you run to your doctor, please start me on an antidepressant, I'm scared for the future, or please start me on a mood stabilizer, I can get really angry with the political climate or the, or, you know, the lockdown or whatever, I, or please start me on an anti-anxiety medicine, I'm really, really nervous about um, you know, my relationship with my family or the future of the world or, and if these medications actually serve the purpose to reduce those symptoms reliably, I would be all game. I'd be all in, all in, of course, 
Of course. It's just not what they are. What they are are perpetuations of those symptoms. And way more frequently than not, the symptoms that come from taking those medications, and I really do mean that, sort of the secondary aspect of these medications is that they often create or at the very best perpetuate or give a spike to or, you know, the, 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 the symptoms that they're marketed to treat. So reaching for a pill, you know, we call them happy pills. We call them, you know, like antidepressants or something like that. But really these pills have a true, fairly reliable capacity to make things worse in the face of making things better. So they sort of work to create some comfort and at the same time, create, perpetuate, or sometimes cause the symptoms or marketed to treat. And my goodness, I would stay away from anything that did that. You know, I would stay away from the medications and really take this as an opportunity as best as you can to look at all of life, to experience all of life, including the, in, the terrifying aspects of life, including the truly mm, anxiety-producing aspects of life, including the, the hopeless and the helpless components of what it means to be a human these days, and really get that we're in this together and that you feeling, you feeling hopeless or helpless or nervous or depressed or angry or upset or, you know, aimless or difficulty completing things or like all the things confused that looks, look and sound like psychiatric conditions are just part of being human. And there is something like welcome to humanity, join up with us, we're all going through this. And the more we can really get that we're sharing this experience, the, the greater the likelihood that we're actually gonna be able to take breakthroughs and make breakthroughs into what the challenges are that are really sitting behind this COVID phenomenon, for instance. It's so well said. I, I appreciate the way that you frame that. And I know that you do still see people, but you've got this platform, Welcome to Humanity. So talk to us a little bit about if somebody were to, to join up with that, what, what their experience would be and what they'd gain. Well, Welcome to Humanity is go, goes through changes and evolution. And, you know, we're looking at an, an upgrade or an update, I should say, of what Welcome to Humanity really represents. And what Welcome to Humanity really represents is walking people off their medication and then walking them off their diagnosis and then giving them their life back. Now, this is not for everybody. You know, you had mentioned that psychiatry is the only uh, field that, so, you know, treats and then diagnose after the treatment. Psychiatry owns another slice of the pie and that it happens to be one of the only fields, if not the only field in medicine, that people are thrilled to have a condition in. Like they wanna have, they wanna be told they have a diagnosis. In other words, it really sort of explains whatever's been going on in their life that then, you know, they can take less responsibility for, or at least have, you know, like, why am I unable to get out of bed? Or why am I angry with my spouse? Or why am I having difficulty at work? Or why am I having, you know, difficulty with, with my, uh, you know, with the world around me? Again, not to reduce the difficulty or the symptoms or the experiences of walking through life. Not at all, not at all, not at all. And sometimes this gets collapsed into me, into people thinking that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. I am really just saying that the possibility is 
that by reframing this as in some ways a log in a fire or that you're responding to the world around you, which is confusing, like literally like, you know, discombobulating at its roots, you being discombobulated by that world is embraceable as part of humanity. And so as a restorative coach or a transformational coach inside Welcome to Humanity, I'm not there to medicate and I'm not there to diagnose. That isn't what it is. What I really am there is to have a conversation and to reframe life so that we can start looking at the values of creativity, connection, communication, self-expression, listening, and, you know, specifically listening, by the way, and also detoxification. So that comes in many different forms, not just the stuff we're putting in our mouth, but what are we putting in our eyes? What What are we scrolling through? What are we listening to? What are we smelling? What are we snorting? What are we smoking? What are we eating? What are, you know, what are we drinking? All of those things, there's a possibility of really getting which, uh, what are the toxins and what happens when we detox so we, got the, we have the greatest access to everything it means to be human. And Dr. Richard, I'm going to say it again. What it means to be human isn't necessarily always a pleasant experience. That's just a fact. And sometimes it is completely unpleasant. Welcome to humanity. And there's something like, not like welcome to humanity, get off it. It's like, welcome to humanity. No shit. It's not always pleasurable like that. It, it's so well said. And, and again, you, know, you, you talked about that other piece of psychiatry, which is so relevant is that again, nobody wants to know that they have cancer. Nobody wants to have heart disease, but people get very emotionally invested in their mental illness because then it's not their fault. And, you know, much as you know, if, if somebody had a broken arm, they wouldn't refer to themselves as broken armed. It doesn't define who they are, but you know this, and certainly my former patients, overwhelmingly, they would say, I'm bipolar. Yeah. I'm schizophrenic. I'm this, I'm that. And you know, part of the education has to be around, which is what you're doing in Welcome to Humanity, is changing that conversation because we are, we are not our mental illness. So I, I thank you for that. For this has been, Dr., excuse me, Dr. Fred, this has been a really, really cool conversation. You're speaking some uncomfortable things, but things that people need to hear. As you know, I, I wrap up every one of my episodes by asking my guests their biggest helping. That is that one single most important piece of information they'd like the audience to walk away with after hearing our conversation today. So lay that on us. Well, I've had an opportunity to kind of look at what what it is I would say in that situation. And I'm saying something like this. There is nothing inherently wrong with you. Period. I don't care who you are. I don't care what they've told you. And I don't really care if you think there's something wrong with you. Because Richard, as it turns out, Dr. Richard, as it turns out, is it's normal to know that there's something wrong with you. That's like, we all know there's something wrong with us. And that, in fact, is a key component of what it means to be human, knowing that there's something wrong with me. And when you really get just the basic notion that there is nothing at all inherently wrong with you from a mental health perspective, Life takes on a whole new color. And I think that's what I really would want to get all of our listeners to get.
Well, I love that. And I normally don't chime in after the biggest helping, but I do think that there is something worth saying is that people, certainly people listening to this show and others that are in the personal development world, always trying to be the best versions of themselves, trying to be better than they were the day before. In fact, you know, there's a sense of perceived weakness if you would admit that, you know, not everything is perfect and you can still have exceptional growth, make each day better than it was, have a great year, but you're going to have ups and downs. And it's it's okay to recognize that that is, as you've said, Dr. Fred, part of being human. So I, I've loved our conversation. Dr. Fred, share with us where people can find out more about you. Welcome to Humanity and all the good stuff you're doing. Sure. I, so the best way to find out about me is on the Welcome to Humanity uh, website. There's also other ways, you know, I'm I'm, uh, I work, I, my social media network that I like the most is LinkedIn, but I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook and, you know, Dr. Fred Moss. And there's, um, also there's emailing me at Dr. Fred at welcome to humanity.net. I also have a podcast. It's welcome to humanity podcast that I love. Uh, I love being a host of, uh, that's on the welcome to humanity site. Outstanding. We'll have links to everything, Dr. Fred and the show notes uh, for his episode. So, check that out. But Dr. Fred, thank you for coming on The Daily Helping. It's been an awesome conversation. Thank you. And thank you for having me, Dr. Richard. It's a pleasure. And um, thanks, you know, thanks for uh, the opportunity to speak a little bit to what matters to me. Really appreciate it. You bet. And I want to also thank each and every one of you who chose to tune into this. If you like what you heard, give us a subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that's what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, Go out there today and do something nice for someone else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping, because the happiest people are those that help others. 